You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. This is Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Garnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 11th, episode 3036. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. Welcome back, Karen Chatton. Good morning. Every month, we get together with Karen and talk about all things endurance, but worry not if you're not an endurance rider. We talk about things that apply to everybody And this just happens to include endurance folks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, I wanted to tell you, I took a deep dive this morning into a webinar that Wendy Murdoch did with, um, what's her name? Sharon Mae Davis. Okay. They're they're talking about something called ECVM, equine (laughs) complex ventral malformation i think i've got that right okay it's it's just when their spine their their vertebrae are formed differently than what is considered normal oh okay and she did the original research on the topic this gal wow i posted it over on the horse tip daily facebook page Uh, and what a great webinar i use my eyes usually glaze over on webinars but it's fascinating and it it was triggered because Nigel has some malformations in his cervical vertebrae, the vertebrae in his neck. So whenever that topic pops up on my Facebook page, I always go and look at it. But interesting, interesting. I'll have to check it out. Yes. It it explains so much about the potential for the way different horses move differently or have gait anomalies or present Mm -hmm. pain for what seems to be no reason great stuff Can't you know we it. never stop learning do we you never yeah and, yeah and i'm sorry if i was late calling you this morning because i was watching a webinar. and speaking of learning things all the time every time we get together every month we spend the beginning of the show learning about what you've been up to because it's adventure central with karen so what have you been up to i've been writing probably more so we're getting him actually up quite nicely he's doing fantastic um I took him to a need a ride with the Nevada Endurance Driving Association. So we have, they have events, um, which they had at this really nice state park at the Walker River. And I rode him 30 miles in a couple of days over the weekend. He got to camp overnight. He did just fantastic. He handled the carts, the wagons, a couple of chariots. Chariots, really? Yes, chariots, and uh, it's you know they make noise. They're 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 kind of exciting they for can be yeah. To, yeah. to look at and to see, and you know, and to follow, and then to get brave enough to pass them or whatever. Um, but he handled it all really well. So I think he's he's 
coming along and you know hopefully next month when we talk i'll be able to say um i was able to do the nevada day parade on him um, because that wow. takes a horse that can handle a lot of different stuff going on all at the same time it's not all just a lot of different time. stuff it's a lot of stuff all at the same time that's the crazy part exactly yes lots of stuff lots of stuff so we've been you know i've been working with him for a while now and he's you know coming along he's getting fit um what do you do you to know? your horses to make them all so roundy roundy when you got Jovi. Jovi just looked like your typical Arab. He was a little on the wiry side. And now he he looks like an apple. He has a vet say he needs to go on a diet. So he has been on a diet. Um so I have to separate him. You know, I always why don't I always have a horse that has to be on a diet? <laughs> oh gosh, it's been forever, you know, years and years and years. My horse, I always have at least one horse that has to be on a diet where yeah. I have to regulate their food. And I'm I'm sure Apollo is just the opposite because Apollo, not uh, Jovi's a purebred Arabian and Apollo's half thoroughbred. So he probably has just the opposite sort of metabolism. Doesn't he? And he's slow at eating. So, really? yes, I, I he doesn't he's not in a hurry. He does eat well. And the more work he's getting, the, the more he eats. He, he is really, you know, he's got that part down. Ding, 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 ding. It's time for the endurance tip again. I will reiterate if you're new to the endurance episode the endurance tips frequently i would say most of the time apply to everybody and most of us out there have horse trailers winter is closing and especially for you in nevada so you've got some winterizing your horse trailer tips for us shoot we do we need to winterize this time of year and some of us when we come and go frequently we have to do it more than once oh so yeah never thought familiar. of that <laughs> Right. So, and trust me, it's better to, you know, uh, winterize your trailer than it is to try to fix the plumbing come spring, because you don't find out that you have a cracked line or a valve until you add the water, turn on the water pump, and now you're pumping water into your living quarters onto the floor. And I've done that. Yes. Um, It's not fun. So, Trust me when I say you're better off doing the winterizing and going through it and learning how to do it so that you don't end up with a flooding issue or other problem. So we're just going to kind of go through a little bit about some of the things you need to do to winterize your trailer. Okay. And you have a living quarters trailer now, don't you, Jennifer? We do, we do. We live in Central Florida, so winterizing is not a problem. But it's not an issue you, for you. <laughs> it, it's stuff you need to know because that doesn't mean we won't be at some point in the future in a cold area, right? Right. Exactly. You know. So you know, it's kind of important. One of the things you want to do is drain all your tanks. You know, your gray water, your black water, your um. You know, any tanks that you might yeah. have. And there's something that there's something that um they should that your vehicle should have that has living quarters in it called a low point drain. And what they do is they create because there's pipes and then there's a tank. The water mm-hmm. goes from the pipes, from the tank into the pipes and into the toilet or the shower or the sink. That low point drain is designed so when you open the spigots, all the water can drain out of the pipes. It's not enough to just empty the tanks. 
Right. You know, and again, there's more than one way to do this. Like you can take an air compressor and uh, use the air to blow any extra water that might, because it only takes like a teeny little bit, like a spoonful of water that gets left behind that can freeze and expand and cause an issue for you. So you want to get out every last little drop that you can. So you can use an air compressor. The other way to do it is to run antifreeze and uh, get three or four gallons of antifreeze and run that through your system. It's not the same antifreeze you put in your truck. It's right for RVs. Look for RV antifreeze. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and when you go to put your trailer up, you know, you want to have, you know, get everything as clean as you can so that you're storing it. Uh, One more consideration is you do not want to harbor any rodents because they love to cozy up and get into your living quarters and they will crawl in through the teeniest, tiniest little spaces, like the little space that's on the outside of your living quarters where like your electrical um, cord goes there's often times for the water there's a little gap there so you need to know to seal that up to to make sure rodents can't get in there and it's always a good idea to maybe set out a trap or something and make sure you clean out this all goes with the whole winterizing thing when you're you know making sure you're you're getting rid of all the water out of all of your tanks and your lines, you also need to make sure you don't leave any food in there. So you got to clean everything out. Something that we discovered recently, because we're very new to the living quarters horse trailer mm -hmm. world. We had a small RV before this and we learned it then. The refrigerator. It's always tough to keep the refrigerator (laughs) from getting nasty, isn't it? It is. Every Uh single time we use the living quarters, when we get done and we unpack it, we open up the refrigerator. I completely clean every Everything. surface inside with one of with those Lysol pop top towelettes. Uh huh. They're the best because it's a one step process. You yank that sucker out there and you just cover every single surface with that. And then when we park it, yep. I put a something heavy. Usually, it's one of those little tablets that attract that attracts uh, damp red. Because we keep damp, damp ribs in ours in the summer because hello, it's Florida. You have humidity. But I, mm-hmm. I prop the door, the refrigerator door open with one of those little damp ribs. It does two things. Keeps the camper dehumidified inside, but it also keeps the door open because you should store it with the door ajar. Never drive it that way, but store it with the door ajar. And those little Lysol wipes are your friend. Any surface that ever meets food or ever meets um, organic matter, the toilet, the shower, Before every time you get done, when you winterize that sucker, clean wipe the whole darn thing. Clean it all out. Exactly. Lysol or, or, or uh, Clorox wipes, and they are your best friend. Yes, because that stuff will absorb like the odors. Yes, it and will. And it's hard to get it undone once yeah. you've done once it. it's there, yes. there forever. I know. Yes. Yes. I just went through mine and cleaned it all out, got it all, you know, I used soft scrub and got all this stuff. You, you know, when you trailer, sometimes you have stuff in there and it comes open or whatever, and it makes a mess. So yeah, it's a good idea to go through all your cupboards, your cabinets, your fridge, you know, the toilet, the shower, um, you know, once you get everything drained, um, whether you run the antifreeze through or um, use air, you want to leave all the faucets open. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't and think about that, but you're right. A faucet's open, drains covered. Like our shower, mm-hmm. 
we has we have a little plug that we got for it from Wally World. Mm-hmm. We close that that way just in case somebody wants to crawl into that drain and use it for a it, home, right? Just in case, yes, exactly. And if you have uh, most living quarters have like a carbon monoxide detector and a smoke alarm. Mm-hmm. So if you have batteries in those and your trailer will be sitting for the winter months, you're going to probably want to remove those batteries um, so that they don't corrode. Good idea. Because it's crazy how that stuff can happen. And you're like, but I just used it. And then you don't realize that that was three months ago or four months ago. So, you know, if you're, if you know, you're going to be using the trailer throughout the winter, like I usually do. So I, I, have to winterize it and then de-winterize it back and forth several times, then, you know, then you're going to want to just make sure you check on the batteries to make sure they aren't corroding and make sure everything is still in working and um, good order. Uh, the propane tanks, you want to make sure that they're turned off. At the so tank. Yes. Cause <laughs> you don't, cause exactly at the tank, you want to do that. Um, what I do with mine is I plug into power in order to keep my batteries charged. Yes. So and there's if, different. If you, yeah. If you can't be connected to shore power, you want to use the cutoff switch. Most modern vehicles come mm-hmm. with them, a cutoff switch. And I really like your idea. You have a little note in here to take the battery out and store it indoors, like in your garage or in right. your basement. Where it's warmer. Where it's warmer because mm-hmm. cold weather and batteries don't get along. The super cold weather will make them die faster. So keep uh-huh. in mind, if you're going to use your trailer, you're going to have to either put the battery back in or check on that before you need to use it. Because, for example, ours, our goose it's a big, heavy gooseneck trailer. It has a hydraulic lift, which works off of a battery. But mm-hmm. if the battery's dead, how are we going to lift our trailer up to hitch it or unhitch it? Make sure you exactly. have a, a right. manual backup for your jacks uh-huh. because you are SOL if you don't. We found that out the hard way with our, our RV that we used to have. We did not have the manual crank to use the jack. So we were stuck. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're then, not happy. <laughs> and one other thing to make sure you check is you need to drain the water out of your hot water heater. <gasps> and so oh, that too. when you open it up, there's usually a switch and or a plug that uh, you can uh, you need to do that in order to get any water out of that. Because, again, you don't want it to freeze and then be replacing stuff come spring. That's no cool. fun to do. Hey, let's let's make a note for next month. We'll do the horse trailer part of it because there's lots of things you need to do to winterize just your horse trailer, whether or not it has living quarters or not. Why don't we do that next right. month? I think okay. that's cool. And I think now it is time to give Kristen a call over at the Distance Depot and see what's going on. Good morning, Kristen. It's Karen and Jennifer. Hi, Karen and Jennifer. I was just that's telling funny. Jennifer about my new tack, which I love, and that new amethyst color. Oh, it's so pretty. Isn't it pretty? I have a quick question. I'm going to put you on the spot, Kristen. How many mm-hmm. colors of beta biothane do you guys carry? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I had counted one time. There are so many. And then, of course, we have the Navajos, but just in beta biothane, two, four, six, 46 regular ones, just, about a dozen reflex ones, and, and six camos, and then 15 or 17 <coughs> Navajos on top go. of that. What, what could you take hazard a guess on what is probably the most popular color? 
Um, well, for the base color, probably black, um, <laughs> because we do a lot of black and then with accent colors on top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But some colors, I don't know, maybe some are blue. We have so many blues. Yeah. Yeah, I really wouldn't venture to say. There you um, go. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to stop hijacking our discussion today because we're going to be talking about ice clips for horses and some yeah. new raincoats you have there at distance depot. Why don't we start with what is an ice clip? Okay. Um, the ice clips are um, in case of emergency devices, which are um, awesome little clips. We have several different styles. So when you go to the website, if you type in in case of emergency um, in the search bar, they should come up. And uh, you hit the little search magnifying glass, and you'll see the different ones. So we have the TheraView Ice Clip, which is um, the handy little gadget with like a scissor snap that you can put anywhere on a bridle, or most people hook it to their saddle. And on the outside, you could choose a pretty color. They come in lots of different colors. And on the outside, there's a white notification with the red cross for emergencies, and it does say. Um, uh, in case of emergency info inside. And then that way, if your horse, you know, runs off or gets separated from you in any event, um, they can, the folks that catch him can open it up and inside with an indelible marker, of course, you can write the horse, the owner, your contact information, a vet's name, um, any other pertinent information that you'd like to put there. So there's that style of clip. And then we also have one that has a carabiner. And some people will braid that into a mane or a tail and or clip it onto their tack. And then we also have the mainstay clip-on, which has this, it's yellow. It only comes in yellow. Um, and it has that same in case of emergency information, little tag on it. And um, it pulls down and you pull the horse mane or tail through the little clip. And in that case, so say you didn't have any tack on, you were at home and there were going to be storms or fires or whatever, you could put this into your horse's hair and it would stay with him or her. Um, And that way, you know, if he were to be located without you, people would know how to contact you. So really handy devices to have, whether you clip it on, braid it into their hair or whatever you do. It's Mm -hmm. really great and great to have on hand for all kinds of situations. I have a I have a caveat to put in there, having just finished up unpacking again from Hurricane Ian here in Florida. Right. Mm-hmm. When you put that ice information on your horse, regardless of the method, whether you use the luggage tag, the specific mm-hmm. super durable ice clips that you guys have, when you put it right. on there, don't put just you. Because your, fo- your cell phone might not work. You yeah, may be in a position exactly. where you can't answer your phone. Put you and put at least one other backup contact phone number and address and net and name. At least one. Yeah. Because, great you know, of, of the storm came through Florida. One third of Florida was out with, can be without cell service for several days. So maybe one of those right. contact informations you put in there is somebody who knows you well, knows your animal, but mm-hmm. is well outside of mm-hmm. your typical emergency area. So there you go. Yeah, that's an excellent mm-hmm. point. And we also have, so we have the little things that will fold over a dog collar too. So you can also get it for your dog, um, dogs or cats, whatever, and put it on their collars as well. And then we have like 
the handy twist stick pink sticks. Of course, endurance riders are familiar with these because, you know, we write the numbers on their um, booty. So with the, with the, you know, pink stick that hardly ever comes off. So you could, um, you know, somehow put something on, on your horse with those as well. They're pretty handy too. So in addition to ice tags, which are really handy when torrential rains and storms and tornadoes come around, come around, just plain old rain. It's that time of year that you don't want to get rained on. It's getting chilly. What have you got to offer at distance, the distance depot? We have um, great raincoats. So we have the Muddy Creek brand and we also have the Outback brand. And I'll tell you a little bit about those. So the Muddy Creek brand in itself is a waterproof raincoat. It comes in a short style, which is really nice for doing chores and working around the barn. And if you're out riding and it's, you know, a light rain and and you're not too worried about your legs and your saddle and all of that getting soaked um, and you just want to stay dry. They're awesome. We have a few left in the fern green. They're discontinuing that pretty color, unfortunately, but we do carry it in black. And then we also have the Muddy Creek Long Raincoat, which is so awesome. I wish they had these when I was competing, but it's huge. It's oversized. It covers your leg all the way down to your ankles, and it covers your horse's rump, the back of your saddle, so it keeps you entirely dry until you get off, (laughs) and then your saddle gets wet. (laughs) It's free for all. (laughs) um, But Yeah, exactly, so they're super nice, and then the Outback brand that we um, carry, it's a long, thin, lightweight waterproof raincoat but the nifty thing about it is it folds up into a backpack so you can wear it um you can store it that way um really pretty super nice long and that's a long raincoat so it too comes down probably about mid shin um but they're really nice waterproof raincoats pretty cool so if somebody wants wants to go to the distance depot and look at raincoats what's the best way to find them Mm-hmm. They can um, search in the outerwear under For the Rider, um, um, shirts, jackets, outerwear, and or type in raincoats in the search bar, and they should all pop up for you. And um, we're just thedistancedepot.com, and or you can call us toll-free, 866-863-2349. Perfect. We'll see you around. Goody. Well, I think it's time for us to... Uh, give a call to our guest, guest Christoph Shork. Our guest this morning is Christoph Shork. Christoph is a very successful endurance writer. He holds the world record for the most number of wins on endurance rides. He's been having a one heck of a ride season this year. He won the Hagen Cup when he finished second at Tevis, and he just recently won the AHA Championship 100 mile ride. So we'll talk a little bit more about some of the accomplishments of Christoph. So welcome to the show this morning, Christoph. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. It's good to be on there with you. And I want to say congratulations. You have been having one heck of a year. Tell us about it. Well, it has been um, really successful. I started early on in... uh, February and did the uh, 20 mule team, one of the oldest rides in the country. And I won that one and also got got best condition there. That started uh, a very successful uh, year for me. I then had um, a bunch of 50s I entered and also did very well, had a lot of first places and a lot of best conditions. So I'm really 
happy about that and very proud of my horses I rode. So tell <clears throat> tell us about Ozzy. Or... Well, Ozzy is a um, an awesome um, endurance horse. He's very very strong. He has a huge stride. Um, it took me a while to really get close to him because he was very standoffish and very, very spooky. So it took a couple of years to manage that and come to an understanding with him. Now he got much, much better. He also used to have more susceptibility to stomach ulcers and uh, um, also was a hard keeper. So over the last two, three years, we managed all that. And now he is just a happy camper and he loves to go down the trail. He goes as strong on the first 10 miles as he does on the last 10 oh, miles cool. in 100, for example. Well, let's talk a little bit about you, Christoph. How I, I know you you've been been a lifelong athlete. So tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the things you've done. All right. I had I come from the um, endurance world. Um, and I don't mean now uh, horse endurance. I mean like human endurance. Um, and school, all mm -hmm. the short distances were always favored by the coaches. But in the show, I just wasn't built for um, these explosive sh shot put and far jumping, high jumping uh, events. Uh, I did gymnastics as a kid, but later was always drawn into the longer rides, my uh, longer runs. My favorite run was a 5,000 meter run and then um, the marathons in the woods. So I did that. I later moved on to kayaking. I did long distance kayaking. I did uh, a lot of mountaineering, climbed all over the world, did rock climbing as well as high altitude climbing, did biathlon, cross-country ski racing. Um, all the sports I've always been drawn to have been endurance sports while I'm out in mm -hmm. the elements for uh, hours and hours on time. And so how did you first get involved with horses? Uh, I was a little kid and uh, we had uh, grew up in Germany, which was uh, southern Germany, which was predominantly Catholic. And um, we had every year um, horse parades in honor of some of the patrons and saints. And my dad always participated. So when I was a little kid, when I was three years old, I was always in awe of those horse parades. And um, I just begged my dad to take me riding with him. And so he did. And uh, I remember the first few times my legs were just, I was almost doing a splits on these cold-blooded broad back mm -hmm. uh, parade horses. And of course, could never reach the stirrups, but I was hooked. And from then on, I was trying to find horses and uh, join local clubs and, and, uh, and just stayed with it. And when did you move to the States? 
1980. 1980, okay. I came here, and uh, I had an in-between some time where I couldn't do as much with horses. I, I was engaged in dressage, dressage training. I did some trail rides. I did some jumping, a little bit of everything. And then when I came into the States, I first got hooked up with riding tie. So I actually, my first equestrian endurance was actually riding tie. Um, I had a couple partners and we uh, um, did a lot of riding ties, a lot of fun. And from then on, then I integrated also slowly but surely uh, endurance rides. And you've never looked back, right? <laughs> Correct. I'm still with it. Sometimes I think, well, should I retire sometime? But then I say, well, what do I do then? And my heart is with it. I'm, I'm, you know, love the company of horses. I love to work with them. I love to train them. I love to see them, how they work in partnership with riders. And that's just it's an awesome sport, and uh, I'll stick with it as long as I can. That's right, Karen. <laughs> right. So now, now you're getting a little bit older. Uh, um, so what advice do you have for anybody as they get older to keep going, to keep uh, working towards riding and working with their horses? Um, as we get older, we get a little slower. That's just uh, comes with the territory. Um, I would give the advice to work more on balance, to work more on with the mind of the horses, because that's the one, even as we age, we still have full control over it. And... <clears throat> Uh, stick with balance. Use videos. Be a balanced rider and always strive for balance. Uh, it's just a fact. As we age, we have little more aches and pains. And aches and pains cause us to um, compromise our balance. So I would suggest to use more videos, to work with coaches, with friends, that watch you and um, really work on your balance. And what do, you, thing, what do you yeah. do to keep yourself in shape besides riding, of course? Uh, I do still mountain biking. I do hiking and I still do some running. Okay. So running, I think, is important just to stay in shape, but it's also important to relate to the horses. Because during running long distances, biking would and long hikes would, of course, qualify as well. Um, you kind of understand nutrition better. You understand better what it takes to cover um, long distances and to um, use your energy household efficiently. So... People who are doing endurance sports themselves, in my opinion, have a better understanding what a horse goes through. Mm -hmm. And then they can manage their horse's uh, pacing as well as their 
energy household much better. And what kind of diet do you follow? I am a strong believer in fats and proteins for horses. So um, I assume you're asking about horse diets. Uh, let's do let's do both. I want to hear what you yourself personally eat to keep yourself, you know, fit and strong and able to still, uh, you, you know, ride very competitively. And do you mind if we ask your age? Um, I'm 69 now. Okay. Okay. So listen to that, people. He's still out there winning hundreds at 69 years old. So it's never too late to get started in the sport of endurance. So so yeah. go on, Christoph. Tell us about so, you know your diet. What what types of foods and things to you that you do as an athlete? Yes, I'm high in fats and proteins in my personal diet. I stay away of all sugars as much as possible. I mean, nowadays you go in the grocery store and you see that most processed food have so much sugar in there. Every little drink um, has tons of grams of sugar. Mm -hmm. So I look at all the labels and I stay away of all soft drinks. I don't drink any soft drinks. I have minimal sugar intake. Um, I'm heavy on protein, fat, and also meat. Mm -hmm. Um, Simple carbs, I stay away from. Um, I do like coffee. I I believe coffee enhances your metabolism and allows you to burn fat more efficiently. Um, I'm somewhat in... Um, vegetables and salads, but not too much. I'm I'm heavier on the on the fats and the meats. Okay, that makes good sense. And so now let's do the horses. Horses. Um, I am a strong advocate for alfalfa and for local grown hay. Um, in in research, scientists have found that people do the best when they eat locally grown food. That we import all year round uh, fruits from all over the world. That we eat uh, imported food in the middle of the winter. It's not necessarily the best for our bodies. You know, it was funny in the 70s, 80s, um, people went around the world and looked for the oldest, healthy, living people. And they found that in the Caucasus and in Japan, there are some people that are 120 and maybe 130 years old. And they thought, oh, we got to look at what they're eating. And then said, oh, they're eating yogurt. And suddenly the yogurt craze came. Uh Um, But in reality, what we found out later is that the people who got that old, number one, had great genes. But on the other side, they ate their locally grown food. Uh, Carrying that over from humans to horses, I'm a strong advocate that horses should eat the hay and the locally grown hay. Um, 
from that environment where they live in. I think that's what they do best rather than importing hay from other areas of the country. Uh, that's number one. I, I do believe that alfalfa has more protein and is better for that gut um, through the use of alfalfa. Besides that, mm -hmm. it's grown locally a lot. Uh, I could reduce incidence of stomach ulcers significantly. Nowadays, I don't hardly have any horses that suffer of, of ulcers anymore. And I contribute that to the use of alfalfa. I also use quite a bit of um, rice bran, fat supplements. I believe the fat is good for long distances. I believe for the 100 milers, a horse really got to have a um, fair amount of fat intake in their bodies that can utilize it better. It takes them a few weeks when you start out with fat, a few weeks for their bodies to metabolize it and to actually use it. I minimize grains during regular uh, feeding. I only use grains and the mm -hmm. higher sugar loads after a uh, heavy workout, after conditioning ride, or after endurance rides, just to replenish their sugar households. Um, minimizing grains, especially the oats and the corns, with high percentage of starches and sugars, uh, also helps preventing tie-ups, which, as we know, is always one of those Damocles swords that hangs over us whenever we travel with horses and then mm -hmm. starting uh, a ride. So that helped quite a bit. Um, yeah, so that's that's in a gist what I believe for the nutrition for the endurance athletes. So if somebody's interested in becoming a more competitive rider, what advice would you have for them? Um, my first advice is a mental advice. Um, be patient. Be patient and um, accept the fact that you will have setbacks. Um, use the setbacks to learn from it. Use the setbacks to study them and get better with it. Learn from it. The other thing is that um, for, a, for getting more competitive, spend attention to all the little details, the smallest details. We talked about nutrition already, preventing ulcers. I believe ulcers are one of the biggest threats to finish an endurance ride successfully. So preventing ulcers is huge, in my opinion. Look at everything. Look at saddle fit, look at your balance, look at your hoof care, look at the mind of the horse. Can we relate to the horse? Can we feel and sense what the horse is going through? Can we connect with them? Um, 
going out there, being on the horse for hours and hours, it's easy to let the mind wander and think about what we're going to do next week. Well, live in the moment. Feel your horse's footfall. Connect with the head. Minimize chit-chat. Um, you can always socialize and tell stories with other riders after the event. During the event, be focused. Be focused on the terrain where you're going. Be focused on your horse's mind, the footfall. Think about uh, switching between walk, trot, canter, and switching the leads. This all takes concentration. It takes focus. Think about your balance. Um, when you ride along, are you suddenly getting tired on your left side and you're leaning more to the right? Sense if you are balanced. Watch your shoulders, drop your shoulders, relax your shoulders, keep your head level. These are all things you constantly have to kind of check in with it. I call it a checklist. I make a checklist and the checklist just takes a few seconds you go through. Is my weight even? Is my head even? Are my shoulders relaxed? Have I switched the leads lately? Do I need to do it again? How long ago since I was in the left lead? Now I've got to switch over to the right lead. These things are taking focus. And if I uh, tell stories with my companion riders, I cannot you know, focus properly on my horse and I don't do my horse any justice. So that's one of my main advice I give to riders who want to get more competitive. So Christoph, tell us, you've been doing this a very long time. What are some of your highest highs and your lowest lows in the sport? Um, highest highs is, well, the one year, I think, believe it was about 10 years when I had 50 entries and uh, 50 finishes. That's my highest numbers of entries I had in my year. That was a very high. Um, high. My other highs, of course, the winning the Hagen Cup this year. That was uh, really a thrill. Um, winning the National Best Condition Award uh -huh. two times in a row winning the national 100 mile championship um, was a very high. I won that two times in uh, 2016 on Pistol Annie and 2021 on Aussie. Uh, other highs I had were on the international part when I won the Gobi Desert Cup in Mongolia where we rode for six days 50 miles every day on unproven half-wild horses, and you had to manage them and read them because they're really not trained for 50. So it was kind of a <laughs> management wow. issues to get them through. And I won the overall fastest time. I also won the overall best condition on that. So that was a highlight. 
the winning the Quilty Cup in Gold Cup in Australia one year, about 15 years ago, was another highlight. Um, just being able to ride in different countries, uh, winning the um, big race in Namibia, their national championship. I didn't win it, I'm sorry, but participating and uh, running th through this beautiful countryside in Namibia, as well as Spain, France, and some European countries. These are all incredible experiences. And I can, you know, encourage all riders to do some exchanges. God, try to find places in other countries and, and learn how they um, conduct their endurance rides, how they um, train their horses, how they ride their horses. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, very interesting and eye-opener, and we can, through experience, we can learn so much for ourselves. Sometimes when we stay too homebound and not looking over the edge of our plates, we're getting a little bit bogged down and we're missing out of a lot of learning and a lot of um, things that are out there in the world. So. And and what are some of the you know difficulties and challenges that you faced? Because we know, you know, not everything, you know, you've got a great deal of success, but you've worked hard for it. So tell us a little bit about some of the, the more challenging times where things didn't always go well for you. Yes, big challenging times. Well, of course, when I struggled years ago with having uh, ulcers in horses, and and I studied and learned and and did research about why and where and what we can do about that. Um, again, the ulcers in horses are uh, estimates are that about seventy to eighty percent of all competitive horses in all kinds of sports event. Um, are suffering from ulcers. And ulcers can, of course, contribute a lot to colics. And then you could lose your horse or you can have um, operations, a lot of pain for the horse. And ulcers are the biggest threats for horses' welfare. So managing that, I had, uh, that was uh, a big, thing and downfall sometimes you didn't finish uh, even a 50 miler because you had to you know your horse was suffering of ulcers didn't want to eat and drink that was one of the challenging times uh, other challenging times were when i had several years in a row where i just couldn't get the horse through tevis because the horses were not long were not suitable for the tevis um they you not every horse that is out there is suitable for the tevis uh, you can be the best trainer you can be the best rider but if the horse doesn't like the environment if the horse is not made uh not 
you know, built for traveling in the heat and the deep canyons there, then you just don't do that well with that horse. So when I went through a few years where I just couldn't finish the Tevis, I did well in very other, many other rides, but not the Tevis. You start in looking, why? What is happening? And uh, you do more research and look into your own um, strategy, your selection of horses for Tevis, your you're pacing lots of things and you you ask yourself a lot of questions. So that was one of the challenging times. Then other times that were challenging were uh, problems with horses, uh, fetlocks, uh, with development of arthritic joints that um, um, to manage them and to know how to prevent them uh, it was a challenging time. I had some awesome horses early on in their career, and we did really, really well. And then suddenly these side bones and ring bones crept in, and uh, and which causes big disappointments and setbacks because, you know, these horses were awesome athletes. But knowing and understanding a little bit more about these athletic changes in horses hoofs um yeah it was a was a big step towards managing that or preventing it so tell us about the services you offer through your global endurance company um services we offer yeah basically we're doing Full spectrum. We are breeding horses, but um, after Corona here, everything has changed a little bit. So presently, we're not breeding that much, but we're training other riders. We're teaching regular riding lessons, just English riding lessons, some Western riding lessons for people, for riders who just want to improve their seats. We are also offering multi-day endurance clinics for a newbie or an intermediate or even advanced rider can improve. These clinics are all private. We don't put a lot of people from different levels in the same group because uh, everybody coming from a different venue and coming from a different level of experience so they're all private and we just try to move them up um they're one day clinic three days and five day clinics and people come they can stay here they can bring their own horses or they can use some of the horses here um then we offer a full range of hoof care barefoot trimming, shoeing, gluing on boots. Um, we do the full spectrum of hoof care. I'm doing a lot of hoof care clinics. Um, before Corona, I traveled regularly two, three times a year to Europe to teach some of the barefoot clinics over there in the different countries. Uh, also the um, techniques of 
using glues to glue on boots, strap on boots. That's a big part of our um, program that we offer. And let's see, I think. Uh, and so what's your, what's well, yeah, your website address? What, what's the website address? It's www.globalendurance.com. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We're also leasing out horses for endurance rides. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who live in the big city. Um, they love to ride endurance, but they cannot, they don't have the time or the location where they can actually keep horses. And uh, so we offer the opportunity to lease a horse for an endurance ride. We also have a lot of people across the country. The U.S. is a pretty big country, so to travel with a horse from New York to Tevis, for example, is quite an endeavor, not to mention the time it takes and how long it takes then once the horse arrives to recover from the stress of travel. So we, we offer leases for different rides for people from foreign countries or uh, on the East Coast or just, you know, whoever doesn't have the opportunity to train and, and have endurance horses. So they can call me and we can bring a horse to for them to the venues and uh, and cool. everybody will be happy. So, so yeah. what what's next for you, Christoph? <clears throat> next on the agenda is um, um, we have a couple more rides in Western Idaho. Winter is coming. And so we're winding down. There are not as many rides anymore. So I'll do another three days in Oriana, uh, the Owahi ride. Maybe go down to Arizona for one more ride, and um, that then it winds down this year. Uh, next year, I really would like to do that Florac ride again in France. That was uh, I I went there two years ago and entered the Florac ride. Unfortunately, it was an FEI ride, and there was a um, maximum time allowance, which was not 24 hours like it is in the in our 100-mile events, but it was, they cut it down to 14 hours. So I only had 14 hours to finish that ride, and the horse I had leased was not quite up to that fast a pace through the mountains in southern mm -hmm. France. So um, I, I um, had then to to uh, pull for time reasons. I got pulled for for time because I couldn't meet the fourteen hour um, cutoff times. Uh, so I would like to go back there. This is an awesome ride. Beautiful countries, well managed. Um, that's um, on my horizon for the next couple of years, hopefully. And then, um, yeah. And what? We'll and what? What's your favorite ride in the United States? Ooh, favorite ride. Um, well, do I really have an absolute favorite? I'm not quite sure. Nice is, of course, always having beautiful scenery and all the Western rides in, 
that have this beautiful scenery are a city of rocks. I really love that. Then the Bryce Canyon, Mount Carmel rides and the gorgeous red rocks are just stunning. Um, then um, Colorado rides, the Wahatoya Cup uh, in Colorado, uh, Spanish Peaks ride, they're just stunning scenery as well. But I'm not necessarily just looked at, looking at the scenery because we can always go to those places on our own and enjoy it. I look at how well it is managed, how, how well it is run, how many people entering. I look at the whole package. And, and scenery for me is not quite as important because like I mentioned earlier, I focus mostly on my horse. I focus on the trail. Is it a tough trail? Is it going up or down? What are the rocks? How is my horse traveling? Am I balanced? And when I focus on all these things, I don't have quite as much time to look around and take in the scenery. So I'm, I'm really enjoying that partnership with the horse, walking with the horse, and finishing with a happy horse that then has a good chance to win the best condition. I am a true believer that a happy horse is a better performing horse. And if a horse loves their job, if it feels healthy, has a healthy gut, uh, joints feel good, they're well-trained, they're well-conditioned, and finish a ride being happy and have still some spring in their legs, um, that's kind of the as good as it gets. Um, then you didn't override your horse, you didn't underride it, didn't get bored. You maximized their potential, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, yeah, and and if if luck will have it, and you win best condition at the end. It doesn't get any better than that. That's right. Well, Christoph, I've enjoyed chatting with you today, and I want to thank you again for joining us. And again, a big congratulations. You've had an, a pretty incredible ride season and career overall. So good job. And thanks again. You are very welcome. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to ask me all these questions. Wow. Talk, he talked about suitability of horse to ride, which I think is very interesting that because you, you, you hear about a quarter horse that's suitable for cow work or a quarter horse that's suitable for Western pleasure or a thoroughbred that's suitable to classic races versus sprints works the same way with endurance. Horses are suited to particular types of Certainly. races. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking of suitability. The folks at Horseware have come up with a really clever idea. They are introducing their new Rambo Autumn Series. And the Rambo Autumn Series is ideal for use in trans-seasonal weather. In other words, autumn and spring. You can reduce the need to change your horse's sheet 
during the unpredictable weather this time of year with this technical turnout. It's lightweight and waterproof and highly breathable hybrid fabric. And that application combines this technical soft shell with the durable 900D polyester and mesh panels on the chest and the shoulder area to help your horse have superior air circulation. And the Autumn Series turnout, of course, has all of the quality construction that you expect to have from horsewear. And it also comes with a 100-gram liner so that when you have changeable weather that's just a little bit chilly, you're all set. And it is available in sizes 66 through 87. And you can find them online at horsewear.com. Or you can ask for the Autumn Series by name at your local TAC retailer. Woohoo! There we go. And speaking of Autumn, what's coming up events-wise? It's that time of year. Well, yes, we have the fall rides coming up. Uh, if anybody wants to check the AERC ride calendar, just go to aerc.org and look for the calendar. And you can search by region or by state and pull up all the rides that are coming up. Dun, dun, dun. It's that time of year. And yeah. find links to today's show at horsesinthemorning.com. Follow us on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. We are on Twitter at Horse Radio. That's our handle. And you can get our app for your iPhone or your Android. If you want to keep your podcasting life simple, you just want to fi- listen to horse podcasts. That's it. Nothing else. None of that crap. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And you can download different shows or you can download the whole shoot and match if you like to listen to lots of podcasts. I just meantime- tell Alexa, play the last Horses in the Morning episode. Really? And it works. Hey, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Well, Hands thank you. Free. And it's free. It's easy to use. That's the whole point of the Horse Radio Network app is it's easy. It's simple. Not a lot of bells and whistles to get in your way. Mm-hmm. And thank you very much again to The Distance Depot and Horseware for sponsoring today's show. And we will see you again next month, Karen. 